Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Star Wars EU or E review here on Phantom Talk. Uh, this is a show where we talk about uh, just the Star Wars expanded universe. Uh, we do old canon stuff, new canon stuff, and everything in between. And um, joining me, as always, is the wonderful editor-in-chief of Phantom Correspondence, uh, Jacob Vance Hardesty. How are you doing tonight, Jacob Vance Hardesty? Contractually, I have to do this episode, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Good. Is it a Sean Lynch thing, or are you just being like, I'm just here so I don't get fined? I'm just here to talk about TV so I don't get fined, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is where we're at. <laughs> Understood. That's fine. Um, but everybody, um, that is Jacob. Uh, I am Al here at Fandom Correspondence, and we do this show where we talk about just various stuff uh, within the Star Wars fandom, various stories that we wanted to cover. And this very special episode, uh, for anyone just tuning in, is the end of a trilogy of uh, old canon books that we have covered. Um, it's a Darth Bane trilogy. This episode is about um, the third and final book called Darth Bane, The Dynasty of Evil, and it is closing out our annual event of Sith Lord Summer, um, where we arbitrarily choose three months out of the year to talk about <laughs> uh, Star Wars stories that are more oriented, focused uh, towards characters within the dark side of the Force. Um, thank you, everybody, who has hung out um, for Sith Lord Summer. Uh, we really appreciate it. But um, but we are reaching an end. An end to the Sith Lord Summer, an end to our journey with Darth Bane and his apprentice, Darth Zana. And what a journey it has been, um, everybody. Um, so jumping right into it, uh, Darth Bane, A Dynasty of Evil, third book in the Darth Bane trilogy written by Drew Karpishin, who is responsible for several of the Old Republic books, actually. Um, so here we are. Old Republic stuff. Um, just as a quick recap for everybody who does not recall, um, the first uh, Darth Bane book, A Path of Destruction, uh, basically covers the origin story of who Darth Bane is. It covers his introduction to the Sith. Um, it covers his introduction to becoming a um, an acolyte or a trainee within the dark side. And it also um, kind of tells the story of how he overcomes and wipes out uh, the Brotherhood of Sith um, because he has um, found a Sith holocron by Darth Revan that has told him that the rule of two is the way to go. Uh, one Sith Lord acting as a master to embody the power of the dark side and a Sith Lord as an apprentice to crave that power and eventually they were square off against each other to see who was the strongest to help ensure the power within the dark side. Everybody good? Everybody good. Now, um, that thread line of Darth Bane going to find Sith Holocrons is going to continue throughout this trilogy as I give a quick recap of the second book called Rule of Two. Uh, so Rule of Two focuses on Darth Bane and his relationship with his apprentice, Darth Zana, who is a very talented very powerful, um, force-sensitive child that he discovers at the very end of the first book. Um, Bane kind of adopts her, takes her under his wing, 
trains her in the ways of the dark side, both in things that he knows, as well as giving her training in some more unique skills that she will use, um, like um, Sith sorcery, which will become very important in this book. Um, um, Darth Bane goes, finds some more holocrons while he's at it, because <laughs> he wants to make his own holocron. There's a reason I'm harping on holocrons on this episode, because I'm going to bring it up again. Um, he gets, like, um, this space scarab kind of attached to his skin. It gives him armor. It becomes this whole thing. Uh, he's almost killed by a task force of Jedi until um, Zana uses her tricks within uh, the dark side of the Force to help them escape and thwart them and make the Jedi think the Sith are now extinct. And here we arrive at good old Dynasty of Evil. Um, Jacob, cat me off a bit. What is going on in this last chapter of Darth Bane's story? Well, I'm going to surprise you as if for a big shock. He's looking for another holocron. Ooh, tell me more. <laughs> he really wants to, you know, for the third book, they, they really wanted to go a different, a different way. Um sure. <clears throat> Now, man, like, seriously, you you hit the nail on the head. The I think when we were talking about the second book, um, just, in, just in our text, a little behind the scenes for everybody, there was a point where you made the statement, this would have been a really good 400-page book. Mm. And the biggest, I didn't feel that as much from the first two. I 100% felt that from this one mm. because this entire book is working towards the last 30 pages. Um, so, so yeah, to, to recap a little bit, as you said, Bane looking for Holocron is kind, of, uh, kind of a consistent thing because, and I kept thinking they were going to go this route eventually. The most interesting part of the Sith and what they want, which let me tell you, I still don't know what Bane wants. I, I have I have talked about how Bane does not have a goal beyond destroy Jedi part two victory. Like that is that is all he wants. He just wants to destroy the Jedi, which I get that, but there's no drive behind it. There is he didn't the, the Jedi didn't do anything to him. He just it, oh my gosh, and that part annoys me. But we're but to focus, to, to just to stay focused. I'm sorry, because um, in this one he figures out, hey, the the Jedi, which he doesn't go into this, but this is what they're ultimately alluding to. With the light side of the Force, the Jedi have the ability to become Force ghosts and become part of the Living Force, and it is a it is a a end goal for them. Whereas the dark side of the force and the Sith just kind of fade off into the ether. Okay. They don't really get an, an afterlife, which is really sad, honestly. So this is why it makes sense for Palpatine and other jet, other Sith, excuse me, to have been looking for a way to prolong their lives and to, to carry on their legacy and to carry on their spirits through different means. So, Bane starts going to look for the holocron of Darth Andedu, who was about, I want to say, four or five thousand years prior to when this story happens. From what from what I have looked up, because um, the main thing I know about Andedu is he has a delightful hat. That is the only real thing I know about him. 
Um, feel free to look up. That's Darth all you need to know. Yeah, what do you say? That's all you need to know. That's really all you need to know. He has a delightful hat, and he was considered the immortal Sith. He was supposedly the first person to figure out how to uh, truly to truly live forever. Okay? Yes. So, um, for anybody who wants a good visual of what he looks like, he looks like the average, like, ad guy um, in Dungeons & Dragons. He really does. <laughs> yeah, very, very skeletal. A del- once again, delightful hat, though. I mean, you know. It's, it's a really nice hat. It is a really nice hat. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so he's going to look for the holocron of Darth Undedu. And that's about all he does throughout this. Um, it was There was a point where I messaged Al and I made the statement... Darth Bane is not in his trilogy, in the last part of his trilogy, as much as you would expect him to be. Um, but we'll 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 circle back because really all you need to know is Bane goes to find Ondeadu's holocron. Bane comes back, stuff goes sideways, and then he gets captured, and then that's basically his entire arc in this book. Because for some reason, or I guess because Carpenter. Or the editors or someone. I don't know who was responsible for this, but <laughs> the long and short of it, which is which is a great tagline for the, for this podcast, by the way. But the long and short of it is all of a sudden he has to add three new characters and continue to flesh out Zana. But in my opinion, doesn't really flesh out Zana enough um, to make it a good ending. Because Zana is really stupid in this book a lot. Mm. Um, and we'll talk a bit more about that. Because the first person we have to talk about is my least favorite character in the entire book. Who is Set Hearth. Which Ooh. is like... I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan, guys. So I've heard some weird names. Set Hearth is a... Like, it is just a... It is a weird name. It does not flow. It does not work well. Um... <laughs> And, and because of it, it carries over into his characterization, which also does not flow and does not work well. Um, because Set Hearth, ladies and gentlemen, is the first official description of what a Dark Jedi is, as opposed to a Sith. Ooh, Dark <laughs> Jedi. We're, we're in a provocative discussions, guys. Oh, Uncle Jacob, <laughs> what's a Dark Jedi? <laughs> So, uh, supposedly, the way that the Ethorian master, whose name has escaped me, the way that he explains it, because two characters who we're, we're going to circle back, we're going to talk about in just a second, go to see him. Um, he describes it as the Sith are the ultimate antithesis to the Jedi. They completely want control over the galaxy, and they want to destroy the Jedi and everything they stand for. Meanwhile, a dark Jedi is basically just a little scamp who happens to use the dark side. That's he's the just, he's just kind of silly. He's just kind of silly. Yeah, that's that's really what they describe describe dark Jedi as. Is there someone who wants to use the dark side for personal gain, and they they are very self serving. Okay, so and I'm gonna put this to bed right now because Josh talked uh, i i don't know if i made the statement in the previous podcast if i do i if i or excuse me if i did i apologize i want to rescind my statement right now 
Exarcoon is a Sith. He is not a Dark Jedi. I don't care what any message board or fanboy wants to say because he does, doesn't have the name Darth in front of it that he's not a Sith. Exarcoon is the epitome of what a Sith is. So, once again, antithetical to the Jedi, wants control of the galaxy. He is self-serving, but it's because of the need for power. Yeah, so we're just going to... little side note there. Right. But focusing, moving on. <laughs> moving on. I know, I know people can get, like, really tripped up. I like the idea of, of what a Sith is by saying, ah, but is this Sith Lord self-serving? Just be like, ah, it's a good question. I can't think of any Sith Lord who's who's self-serving at all. You got me. <laughs> well, let's let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> but anyway, so so God, where was I? Um, Seth Seth, Hearth. Set Hearth. Yes. Okay. Set Hearth. Set Hearth. Set Hearth. I feel like the bunny and hood went. Keith, darn it, change your name. Um, so there's a point where <laughs> there's a point where Zana. Why did she go there? Oh, oh, no, I got you, Jacob. I got Help. you, Jacob. Hope you're ready. So yeah, so we're at a point where Bane. Um, I'm gonna go back a bit. It just hit like um, some insert points. Um, so Bane is, as the kids say, not not doing very well. <laughs> um, he's he's become kind of a recluse. Um, he's got this weird tremor in his hand that never gets explained. Um, I don't know what's going on with that, but um, he's just not doing well he feels his body start to fail him um as he gets older as we all do and um his new obsession is that he isn't sure if zon is really the person to take over for the sith right uh because his argument is that she's waiting for me to get too weak so that she won't oppose me when i'm at my strongest um which feels like kind of a moot point because you'd think like, to really oppose Darth Bane at his strongest was when he had the Orbalisk armor. But that's okay. Um, he's just like, the Sith won't be strong enough because she's not going to oppose me when I'm at my strongest. She's going to wait until I decline um, and things like that. Um, because, you know, underhandedness is not a weapon of the dark side. Um, so, so Bane is just kind of like, I've got to figure out how to make it so that I live forever because I'm totally not betraying the rule of two by adopting that idea. Um, so he hears about um, our boy Andy uh, and how Andy has this holocron that supposedly tells you how to extend your life. And so he goes and gets that. However, he knows he, that he needs to send Zana away because if he just up and goes um without any reason without her then zana will just be like okay well something's up i'm gonna go follow him and like they could get into a confrontation which he might lose because he doesn't have the means to extend his life in an un in an unnatural way 
Bane's adhesion to the rule of two kind of starts to crack a little bit at this part of the story. <laughs> but it's okay. Um, and so he's just like, hey, Zana, I heard there was a Jedi on this, like, little crappy outer rim world who just got killed. Um, anything that can kill a Jedi is worth us investigating. So go and check out what is going on on this planet. I will be here when you get back. And so Zana goes off, and then Bane goes off and does his thing. Um, and that is what's happening. Um, and thus, this is how Zana um, eventually comes into contact with Set Hearth, because Set Hearth was also on that planet trying to find Sith artifacts. Um, and the Jedi who was there um, as kind of kind of to broker peace between the rebels and the royal family of this world, but also to secure those Sith artifacts to bring back to Coruscant to the temple, uh, was also there. He was assassinated by, um, indirectly, he was assassinated by this, um, Iktochi, is that how you say that? Iktochi, I think is how it is. Iktachi, thank you. But Iktachi, Iktochi, I mean, either way. I gotcha. Um, Iktachi, um, Ifimal Iktachi is there, um, acting as basically an assassin. Kills the leader of the rebels, but also, in the crossfire, kills this Jedi. And you might be thinking, how did an assassin kill a Jedi? Well, um, this Iktachi, whose name is simply known as the Huntress, has this unique force ability that obscures the force from Jedi and on the dark side users so that they can't use it as well or sometimes use it at all. Um, it's kind of like um, the Evler beasts in the High Republic stuff. Um it just kind of like isolates the target from access to the force unless they're particularly strong. Uh, Huntress is going to come up again, everybody. So don't forget about her. Um, so that is what brings Zana here. Zana eventually meets Set Hearth. Zana's just like, well, you know, when I kill Bane, I'm going to need an apprentice as well. And Set Hearth seems somewhat strong so i guess i'll go ahead and recruit him even though he's a horrible candidate for <laughs> for a faction that is based upon like the big picture and like the longevity of an ideology <laughs> but um and she's just kind of like hmm, who would be a good candidate for devoting their life to that probably this guy who left the jedi because he felt like <laughs> claustrophobic <laughs> um i think he'll do i think he'll do perfectly in this and so she recruits him um however everybody there is a c plot a c plot where everybody remember caleb the healer from the last two books <laughs> well after caleb met his um hateful end at the end of Rule of Two, um, you find out that he had sent his daughter out into the world, had her change her name, had her leave, so that um, Darth Bane could not ever use her as a means against him again. 
So we find that Caleb's daughter, who has now taken the name Sarah, I don't know how we go from set hearth to Sarah. (laughs) Sarah? (laughs) But we do. Um, So Sarah um, has been kind of bouncing around planets, offering services as a healer. She meets the crown prince of this uh, planet and becomes his wife. Um, however, this prince is killed by rebels because this happens to be the same planet that um, Set Hearth had come to to like find uh, the Sith artifacts, all of that stuff. This one planet on the outer realm becomes the focal point of what is going on in the story. Um, so Sarah wants to get revenge on just kind of everybody. That's kind of Sarah's deal. <laughs> like, um, if she were a Barbie, then this Barbie's job would be revenge. That's just, that's all she wants. <laughs> so just get revenge on everyone who's wronged her. Um, but her personal bodyguard, however, um, is a mercenary. Um, yes, there are two mercenaries active in the story. Yep. Um, um, named Lucia, and everybody who can recall way back to Path of Destruction, the first book in the Darth Bane trilogy. <laughs> Everyone, this is a Darth Bane book, by the way, for anyone who's forgotten. So Lucia served in the Gloomwalkers, which was a division of Sith troops that Darth Bane was unofficially in charge of. Um... Through a random set of circumstances, she is now the bodyguard of the daughter of the healer that Bane had intimidated all those years ago. She hires the Huntress to kill all the rebels. If this starts to sound kind of convoluted, don't worry, you're not alone. because it is. She hires the Huntress who kills the rebels and also killed the Jedi who freed up the Sith artifacts for the Dark Jedi to come, for Darth Zana to come and recruit the Dark Jedi (laughs) in the hold on the bottom of the sea. (laughs) That sets the stage (laughs) for the rest of the book. I think I covered everything important. So now we're going to talk about the characters. (laughs) Yes, you you did, because I'm sorry. I wanted to move forward. I, I do apologize. It's okay. It's insane. It's wild. Oh, we're going to kind of fly through a lot of these characters because there's not a whole lot to talk about them with. That, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that, like that's the thing is like, we're in, we're, we're introducing one major character and we're reintroducing two side characters and we really don't give any of the three of them a whole lot to do. And they ultimately do not actually serve as big of a purpose as you think they're going to. Mm. And that's just, it's just so weird to me. I spent the entire book assuming that this was going to be Sarah's fall to the dark side. I literally spent the entire book just assuming that Sarah was going to be the one, like, like at the end, it was, it was going to be this, this ultimate, like, destructive force that Xana sees and is like, that's my new apprentice. I don't care what happens to the other people. That's what I had assumed, sure. and for some reason, for all of all the people in this book, and 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 for everything this book is trying to do, for some reason it's like, hang on, we need to do a redemption arc right at the end of this. 
Like we just need to we just need to toss that in here somewhere because Star Wars <laughs> is about redemption. Which don't get me wrong, I get that concept. Trust me, I do. But it just does not fit here, and it's so weird. I'm, I'm but I, I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm getting ahead, Al. I'm getting ahead. Go 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 yeah. ahead. So sorry. It's all good. It's all good. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about each of these characters. Um, just real quick, you already brought up um, of our dark Jedi boy, um, is Seth Hearth. So we're going to go over him real quick, okay? Um, I think I texted you while we were finishing up this book that Set Hearth is probably my least favorite Ode Cannon character I have encountered. Yeah. And I really hope that that so I've heard the comparison and the contrast kind of discussion between well what's a Sith and what's um, a dark and I it it reminds me of the discussions I used to hear when I heard uh, uh, whenever I hung out around like a lot of like super fixated church folks who were just kind of like. Who would like argue about just like the weirdest, most hyper specific stuff and stuff? And it's just like, well, you see, um, we well, see a Sith believes that you should eat the cracker and then drink the wine at communion, and a dark Jedi thinks you should dip the cracker into the wine and then eat it all at once. It, I've gotten those kinds of vibes <laughs> from, from these discussions that I've seen, um, where it's just kind of like, well, you see, a Sith Lord. Uh, believes that the force is something to be mastered and to be wielded and they're trying to build up their power through through hatred and anger to wield the force to serve their own purposes whereas a dark jedi wants to kind of corrupt the force and use it as a tool rather than as a weapon to serve their own purpose and i'm just kind of like this discussion has fueled like <laughs> discussion boards for like 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, because, oh my gosh, sure, you can argue that there is a difference there, but like, is it really as big a one as people like try to argue that it is? Because by the end of it, this is the issue I always have whenever the discussion of what a dark Jedi is. Whenever it comes up, this is the issue I have. Because we look at Set Hearth, right? By the end of this book, which I feel like takes place over like two weeks. It doesn't take place over like a super long period of time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> by the end of this book, Set Hearth has killed like a lot of people. <laughs> He has betrayed several of the people he agreed to serve. He has wielded the force through the dark side for his own means. And by the end of the book, he has stolen a Sith holocron and is studying it to unnaturally extend his lifespan. And people are going to hear all that and then look me in the face and tell me that said hearth isn't really a Sith. And, like, I get what they're saying, but at the same time, it's just, like, why why was this, why did this become such a huge point of contention over the years? Because, like, I don't understand. It's the argument that comes from this idea that, like, um, I know I've brought him up 
um, in the past already with these last three episodes, but I've seen the same argument of just like, well, you know, Kylo Ren isn't really a Sith. And like, I go back and I watch these movies and I'm just like, well, I couldn't really tell from the fact that he uses the dark side, he serves the Sith, he kills his own father because it will help him be more in touch with the dark side. He kills a lot of innocent people or at least orders them to be killed. But like, he has to have a redemption arc because of all the bad things he's done. But like somehow he's just like a dark Jedi. And I don't, see where the lines are drawn after after a certain point. Um, I just really don't. But Ed Harth serves no purpose in this story. Ed Harth could be removed from this book entirely, and ultimately things things would go exactly the same way as they go. Um, I really don't get what the inspiration with his character was. Um, I haven't done a deep dive on him. I don't know if he pops up again in other old canon stuff. I assume he might. I mean, he has the holocron that tells you how to extend your life. That seems like a weird kind of Chekhov's gun <laughs> to leave on the <laughs> table to not use. But I don't know. I guess I'll do some research and find that out. But, um, yeah, at no point was I convinced that Seth Harth was really going to play a big role in this story. And lo and behold, he did not. He's just kind of there. He's just, <laughs> He's just kind of like swaying in the waves of the force just kind of going where the wind takes him and like i think there could be potential for that kind of character but not in like the 200 pages of of time that he has in this one book um so no i'm with you i'm not a huge fan of set hearth could have been left out of this book and i would have been fine with it um but to bring up another character who you bring up Sarah. Sarah is utterly baffling to me. <laughs> I don't get Sarah's character whatsoever, right? I get what she was kind of conceived as, just kind of like, you know, there's this person who's trying to escape her past, and she's trying to find purpose elsewhere, um, kind of um, a reflection we seen with like the early life of Bane as well. And I see what he was trying to do with that. And then you go on and you find out that Sarah just sucks. And like, I know that she has lost people and I get that she's supposed to be put up as, as this kind of tragic character, but in not very much time. Cause again, this book is only about 300 pages long. Um, and not very much time, we see Sarah do the heel turn of being like, well, I want the rebels who were responsible for my husband's death to be punished. And you're just like, okay, I get that. Two, I'm going to blow up this entire prison, and <laughs> I don't care that it kills people I'm friends with. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the heel turn is just like, oh, my God. And then... When she has a chance, I, I can't stand this trope. I know I've I've ranted to you about it before, Jacob. Mm -hmm. She eventually gets the chance to just be like, hey, there's Darth Bane. He's distracted right now. I could kill him right now if I wanted to, or I could kill him way earlier when he's helpless in the prison cell, or I could do any of these things right now and get the revenge I've wanted for so long. And then he's just kind of like, but 
No, I can't. I'm going to go grab my friend's dead body, who's only dead because I took her on this this rigmarole in the first place. And I'm going to leave. And then after I leave, I'm going to come out and I'm just going to die. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> what is your arc? What have you learned? <laughs> I, I don't understand what Sarah's story is supposed to be. Because it seems like she suffers a lot from the trope of, I don't care if I kill people that I know and love, as long as I kill this one guy, except for this opportunity I have to exclusively kill him right now and not have anybody else be hurt. And it's just so infuriating. This book is filled with, and I'm saying this as a complaint, I'm not saying this as like, a stance or anything. I think it's a bad thing, but this book is filled with female characters who are blinded by their emotions. And it makes me think that Drew Carpishin might not know how to write a female character. Am I being unfair here, Jacob? <laughs> I I personally do not think that you are. Um I I can honestly say I've not read his other stuff, so I don't know. Um, <clears throat> for all I know, we could one t- I, we could one day pick up another uh, we could one day pick up like another one of his if we ever just really get in the mood to because because what else did, he also wrote he wrote Revan didn't he he wrote Revan he wrote Deceived and he wrote the Old Republic Alliance yeah. Okay, so if we ever really want to ke- go back to the old so, to the old canons, old Republic stuff, yeah. uh, you know, we might see what else he's done. Because I don't want to believe, I don't like saying that he can't write women. I don't like saying that he is a bad writer when it comes to that part. Um, but I can't read this book and talk about this book in good conscience without doing that. Um because because you're 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 absolutely correct because there there is a point the most confusing part of this entire book is in the prison because you have Xana you have Lucia you have the huntress and you have Sarah Lucia or Lucia I'm not, I'm not sure but um those four women are all basically the exact same person <laughs> And and because you, you said that first, and then you said because then you reminded me. But don't forget, God, it 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 hurts to say. Githany was the exact same way in Path of Destruction. Yeah. And w- at least with Githany, I get I can give him the benefit of the doubt because Path of Destruction was based on the Jedi versus Sith comic. So most of the stuff that happens there, I can give him the benefit of the doubt and just be like, well. He already knew this is what this character was supposed to be, but he knew nothing about Xana and or or about or about Sarah or Lucia or, or the Huntress. But like you said, all four of them are really the same. So there is a point where you have, and honestly, the main difference between Bane and Set Hearth is that one's a little scamp. I, I, I'm sticking with that description. So what the is a little scam. So, so you you have two characters who are the exact same, and then you have four characters who are the exact same, and they're all basically running around this prison while while circus music plays, pretty much, all trying to find different, all trying to find different 
people and trying to do different things and then trying to stop people from doing other things. And it gets, I have read multiple books with multiple cast of characters. I'm not going to go into all of it, but let's, but just for example, the, the song of ice and fire books, the game of the, the ones that the game of Thrones series is based on. I can read those where they have characters with similar names and I can more often than not, 85% of the time, tell you the difference between them. Now, is it fair for me to compare Drew Carpenter to George R. R. Martin? No, it sure isn't. But here we are. And the thing is, is that when it comes right down to it, you have George R. R. Martin, who is known for writing female characters decently well. Maybe not in some cases, but uh, but I mean, more often than not. And then Drew Carbican just does not differentiate at all between these. So so no, you're 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 not wrong because I there was never a point where I knew like, like you Sarah is a good is a really good example for this because like because like you said, I did not know what her arc was supposed to be. I did not know what she was supposed to be doing. Because especially by the end of this book, because reading did you did you not think that she was gonna be Xana's apprentice? Um, I, I didn't know what to think. Okay. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair. So I kind of just assumed because, because by the, by the very nature of the rule of two, my assumption at the end of this was Bane is going to die and Xana's going to pick one of the people that we are learning about as her new apprentice. Mm-hmm. And sure. thus the rule of two carries on. Sure. So. So by that, he creates a little bit of a, of a mystery of who is it going to be. Mm. Because because at that point, you have Set Hearth, who is a little scamp. You have <laughs> the Huntress, who is supposedly the best fighter of everyone here. And also has abilities that we won't see again until the higher public books, like you said. She's really good. Which is really <laughs> underrated, in all honesty. <laughs> um <laughs> Although she doesn't, but but once again, her only defining trait that we know is she enjoys violence. So her only defining trait is that she listens to the first three Eminem albums. That that's her only defining <laughs> trait. Okay, yeah, I just want to toss that in there. But anyways, <laughs> that is all we know about her. So, and Lucia, or Lucia, or however you're supposed to say her name, her entire arc at this point, is at least from what I was... Once again, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I kind of got it that she was trying to help Sarah not go down a path of revenge. So she is trying to help Sarah become something more. So I fully expected at the end of this, like, Sarah to kill her as, like, her final, like, I am Sith kind of moment. Okay. Um, we didn't get that. Instead, she gets her killed by by proxy, basically. Um, because like yeah. you said... She just kind of gets killed in the crossfire. Yeah, which <laughs> is really, like, insignificant because this is also... I mean, this is the only person who knew Bane when he was still Dez. So, like, I kind of expected more of a connection there. Like, I, I, know, I know that Bane has, like, given himself over to the dark side so he doesn't have a lot of his connections to his past... But I expected something. I expected something more than what we got for that. It, Especially, like you said, with the, with the Chekhov's gun aspect, like you set this up, and then we got nothing. It's the it's the it's the Dune sandworm again. It's uh, <laughs> you know, 
it was it was eerily similar to when Kylo straight up kills the Knights of Ren in Rise of Skywalker, like without a second thought. And I don't know about anybody else who watched that, but when I was watching it in the theater, I was just kind of like, okay, were those his friends? Did he have like any kind of connection to them? Like they've been with him from the beginning. Like, (laughs) like, is he sad about doing this? Is he happy? Were they bad guys? Were they just following orders? Like (laughs) at the, at the very shortest amount of time they could have spent together would have been at least like five to seven years, if not longer. So you would assume something had to happen. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. And so you get a very similar experience with Bane and Lucia, uh, where Lucia is just kind of like, you saved my life. This is my way of trying to save yours. Um, and you get uh, just kind of a madman-esque scene where Bane's just kind of like, I don't think about you at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she gets aced, and she gets aced by Zana, which is like crazy, because Zana shows up and is just like, you're taking too long to kill her, and just, <laughs> just kills her herself, which is like out of character for Zana, because <laughs> Zana is like evil, but she's way more like, okay, let me assess the situation. Let's see what's going on. I wonder what's going on. But like in this one instance, Zana just comes in guns and blazing and yeah. is just like, is that a person? Bah! <laughs> and it just kills her immediately. <laughs> and it's crazy. And it feels like such a tease. Like, <laughs> it's wild. Not to mention, so if I had to choose one female character in this story, who like seems a bit more individualistic than the others, it'd probably be Lucia because she's at least having this like internal conflict of just like, you know, do I stand by my friend or do I stand by the person who like, who saved my life and stuff like that. But then that's where Lucia's reasoning skills just like stop because she takes um, she takes stock of the situation and is just kind of like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have this internal monologue where I fully acknowledge the fact that Des is a Dark Lord of the Sith and he has done horrible things and has caused the death of like probably thousands to possibly millions of people, either directly or indirectly, Okay. And I'm going to consider my relationship with my friend who literally saved my life and has gone through like horrible things in the last few months. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just let Bane go with no contingency plan (laughs) and then hope that Sarah agrees to run away with me. (laughs) That is is Lucia's grand plan. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy, man. She's just like, okay, I know what this is, Bane. I know exactly what you are. I know what you've turned into. And I owe you for saving my life. So in that single microcosm, that outweighs all of the horrible things you have probably done and are going to do. <laughs> so it's like it's like a it's like a it's like if a French 
Oger, like, saw Hitler get captured by somebody and was just like, well, you know what? One time, Hitler agreed to not kill me when I got captured. So I'm going to let him go. (laughs) It's just kind of like, what are you doing? (laughs) That doesn't follow at all. What are you going to do about the person that Hitler wants to kill who you're friends with? And they just kind of go, I'm going to assume they'll be okay. (laughs) And that's Lucia's grand plan. And it's crazy. (laughs) And it's, oh man, it's so wild. But, um... Des was the best guy around. <laughs> what about all the people he murdered? What murder? <laughs> oh boy, it's crazy. It's wild. Okay, so I do want to get to our last side character, um, who to me was one of the more frustrating people to read. Um, so we have the Huntress. Huntress, who by all means should be one of the coolest characters in Star Wars. Yeah. She should be awesome. Um, because she she is strong in the Force. She has precognitive abilities, which are, like, wildly powerful. She's able to get, like, the idea of who Bane is from Sarah, from, like, a sketchy memory that Sarah had when she was, like, five and Huntress is just kind of Huntress is just kind of like he's really tall. I got it. And is able to <laughs> use that to like not only find where Bane is, but like see everywhere Bane has gone. And like see what's going to happen to Bane eventually. And like see like the Doctor Strange-esque like thousands of outcomes that are going to happen between Bane and this totally other person she hasn't been told about. And you're just like, this This character is one of the most powerful characters in all of Star Wars. This is crazy. And then on top of that, she interferes with other people's use of the Force. And you're just like, wow, this character's wild. Like, n- there's nobody who can stand against her. It's crazy. And then you get to one of the fights that happened in the prison, and it's Huntress and Set Hearth fighting each other and set hearth is just playing hide and seek with the huntress for like 20 minutes (laughs) because huntress is trying to kill him and set hearth is just like haha you aren't gonna get me if you can't find me and goes and hides in like this launch pad that's like 20 by 20 feet (laughs) and you're just like can't she see the future Isn't she a precog? Isn't that her whole thing? How is she not able to find this one man in like 400 square feet of space? This doesn't make any sense. And so, and I don't know, man. I want to hear your take on Huntress because Huntress was a character that to me, Every time her name kept popping up in the story, I was surprised. I was just like, oh, wow, she's still here. Okay. Like, they're, st- they're still using her for stuff. This is crazy. Um, how did you feel about whatever her character was? Well, so, <laughs> so, once again, you know, it's the second and third 
Yes. Second and third and fourth chapters of this book. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Um, each set up a different a different side character. Set set no, excuse me, not the fourth one. Set hearth is a little bit further. But 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 the but the second and third chapters each set up uh the different side character because they set up the huntress in the second chapter, because that's where the Jedi is meeting the rebels, and you don't really know where this is going yet. Um and then the third one is where you set up Lucia, Lucia and Sarah, where, and I was like, okay, these paths are interwoven. This is kind of interesting. You know, maybe we're going to get a little, a decent side plot here. But then what I should have, what I should have wondered is, okay, I hope it stays a side plot and not like takes literally the entire, the entirety away from Xana and Bane, honestly. Um, but, uh, from the moment that she shows up, she is meant to be this badass, you know, physically imposing villain. Whereas, whereas Sarah might be the more, you know, the diplomatic kind of villainous s character. I, I, I'm going to call her villainous. I know she gets her redemption arc, but I mean, but like you said, there's a point where she's about to blow up an entire prison. Like, I mean, and not like a small one, like one that has a lot of people and also, like you said, has two people that she considers or, well, at least one person that she considers very close to just to kill Bane. Um, And I just but anyways, the Huntress, he's meant to be this physically imposing character. and And I really like that aspect about her. I like that she was a a very big threat. Until, like you said, she wasn't. Um, and, and you know, I know we haven't got to the finale just yet. Um, but we, but this will be a good segue. The Huntress is the one who ends up being Xana's apprentice. She becomes Darth Cognus. Darth Cognus, yeah. Um, you know. And I need everybody to see some air quotations around Darth Zana's apprentice, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, that, that, that too. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, that's another thing. I, I, okay. Once again, the prison is the most confusing. The la the last 40 pages of this book are the most confusing part. I completely forgot. He joins up with Bane first. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, because absolutely. Because he keeps getting hired to do this stupid stuff. And then eventually he's just like, you know what? Let's try this out. Because so she takes up the rebels and I'm like, all right, the basic assassination. Okay. Then Sarah's like, I need you to take out um, Bane. And he's like, well, I'm going to need all these people to help out. And Sarah's like, sure. Yeah. More cannon fodder. Fine. I, I don't care. Just kill Bane and or bring him alive. Excuse me. Because he wants to kill him. Yeah. Um, so he captures Bane, but then after Bane gets loose, he joins up with him to become his new apprentice because Bane knows now that Xana is fully um, against him, which once again, I don't understand why he's upset. Like, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to harp on this. Mainly because, mainly because I know when, whenever we get Josh on a on a star on another Star Wars podcast, he might just railroad it for a second just to talk about how stupid the rule of two is. 
<laughs> which fair, but couldn't Bane like want her to try and do what she's doing? Like it's in my opinion, like even so much so that like I understand the whole like she's just waiting until I'm weak. Okay, one, you're a Sith. You're supposed to be more cunning. You're not supposed to be have this nobility or this solid strength. You're supposed to be like, I'm going to sneak around until I can destroy the Jedi. Doesn't it kind of make sense for her to wait until your guard is down anyways? Mm. Like, I'm not trying to... I'm not saying that Bane is stupid or a hypocrite. I am, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Because what I'm trying to say is that Bane is poorly written. And that's what the ultimate takeaway from this book is, is that in all of this, he is stupid for why he is upset that Xana is attacking him. So much so that when he gets back to the main person I'm talking about here, the Huntress, he's like, yeah, I guess you'll do. Which also is weird. Because, like... I don't understand, like, this concept of I am going to be the most powerful Sith. I am going to choose a singular apprentice who is going to surpass me. That girl seems okay. Like, I don't understand how that is the, is both his apprentices, and I'm using air quotes on the second, on the, on, uh, with, with the pluralization of that, but... Both of them just kind of stumbled upon him, and he was like, sure, let's see what happens. Like, I understand, I get that he saw, that when he saw Xana as a child, he was like, well, he's young, easy to mold. Okay, that one makes a little bit more sense. Huntress is like a full-grown Itochi assassin woman that he just sees and is like, sure... You know, I, I guess I guess at that point it's a I, I guess at that point it's like, it's almost like a like a Ron Swanson or a Dwight thing where it's like anyone that could best me clearly needs to be my apprentice. <laughs> I guess it's maybe that route. But no, I mean like because like you said, she has precognitive abilities until she doesn't, which I always hate that trope. because uh, I, I because there's no way to explain it away. It's why I will almost probably never write anyone with precognitive abilities, just because <laughs> I don't want to have to work around it, so I get it. But <laughs> if anything bad is ever going to happen to them. But, like, that's the... I guess Set Hearth was that good at disrupting them? Or was his scamp power so strong that he couldn't be sensed by her? Maybe that's what it is. It was very scampy. It is, he is very scampy. It was a, it was a healthy plate of shrimp scampy on there. He, he, he is definitely a healthy plate of shrimp scampy. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I just, because then for the last like 25 pages, it's, he is, he is the, um, he is the Pete Davidson SNL skit where he just goes, okay. That, 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 that's literally what she is, where she's just going with the flow of whichever dark Lord of the Sith wins. She's just like, all right, sure. Yeah, let's let's do this thing. Which is just so it's so weird. Why if you're if you the entire point of the Sith is passion. So why are you passive? 
Wow. Yeah. It's ah. a wordplay for you. <laughs> exactly. I don't. I don't know. I. I kind of. I kind of hated every character in this book by the end of this, but you are correct. The Huntress is probably the most frustrating because she is the one that's set up to be the coolest. It's very the new characters. Yeah, she's. <laughs> there's a point, um, very near when she teams up with Bane, where she's kind of having like an internal monologue, where she's just kind of like, "I've kind of lost, I've kind of lost passion for the assassin life, and I." want to find something more, want to find something greater and find my destiny. And it feels like when it feels like when you're in a relationship with somebody for like a while or like a year or so, and then they like share something about themselves that you've never heard before. Like you've gone out on like a bunch of dates and you've like talked a lot with somebody and stuff. And then suddenly one random day, they're just like, oh, Oh, I know how to Irish dance. You're just like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know how to Irish dance. And they're just like, I've Irish danced since I was six years old. You're just like, how has this never come up? What are you talking about? That's That was my experience with the Huntress at that part of the book, where she's just kind of like, I think Darth Bane can show me why I feel so empty and why I want something more out of life. And I'm just like, when the hell did this come up? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> How long have you felt this way? <laughs> this has never been a part of your character. <laughs> you were just you were just having a moment of ecstasy, just kind of like causing chaos with people. What are you talking about? You're unsatisfied with your life. <laughs> that makes no sense. Um, and then to cap it off, it's hilarious in a way because Huntress finds Bane at a very good at a very good time because if Bane had come upon her when she failed to find where set hearth was, when he was in the same room with her <laughs> and he couldn't use the force and she had precognitive abilities and she just couldn't find where the rascal had gotten to. I don't <laughs> think Bane would have taken her as an apprentice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he would have come out and just been like, what are you doing? And she was just like, I can't find where said hearth is. <laughs> And they were just been like, you can't find where Set Hearth is? <laughs> Aren't you psychic? I see him from here. <laughs> well, yeah, he's hiding behind a cruiser. What are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. It was so, it was so crazy. It was so crazy. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, these, these side characters, man. It's a, it was a very bold move to introduce, like, five brand new characters in the last book of a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of crazy, especially when you didn't really need any new characters, which I'll get into at the end of the episode a bit, um, in my opinion. But um, yeah, let's, um, um, let's go ahead though. Let's hop into the grand finale of the book. Okay. Yeah. Which is, um, so, Sarah and Lucia are dead. Um, it's fine. They could have. They could have not been in this book. Oh my god! Been okay. Sarah died. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sarah <laughs> died. She goes back to Ambria, where her father Caleb was, 
Mm-hmm. Goes back to his hut. She's just like, whatever happens, I'm going to face the future as the daughter of Caleb. And I thought that meant I'm going to go out into the galaxy and start helping people again. Because that's an arc that would kind of make sense, right? Mm-hmm. But what that means is that when Bane shows up to Ambria, she just goes out there and is just kind of like, guess it's time for you to kill me, Bane. And Bane's just kind of like, I guess so, you weirdo. <laughs> she died. <laughs> that's it. That's all that was. Um, and so they are dead. It's very sad. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, Bane and uh, the newly anointed Darth Cognus, um, which I can't decide if I like that name or not. It's fine. Um, so Bane and Darth Cognus are just like, okay, we're going to wait here. Zonda's going to come, and I'm going to kill her. And Darth Cognus is just kind of like, okay. At this point, <laughs> at this point, Huntress is like starting to realize what kind of party she actually joined. <laughs> she was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> Sounds good, Bane. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, Zana shows up, right? And is just like, okay, Bane. Let's fight. And I'll give credit where credit is due. Their final confrontation, um, up to like the very end, in my opinion, uh, the majority of their final confrontation, to me, is actually pretty cool. Um it's cool that that like they start off with their lightsabers, and then they each uh, realize that fighting with just their lightsabers isn't really getting the job done, and mm-hmm. so they go into their bag of tricks and kind of focus on like their own kind of specialized areas of the dark side, and we get to see some cool dark side stuff happen. I actually really enjoyed um, their final confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of reminded me what I wished the fight between Palpatine and Oda had been in Revenge of the Sith, where it wasn't so much like, let's like co-do these insane aerial combos on each other. And like instead, let's like use the two sides of the force to fight each other and see what that actually looks like. Um, So I thought that part was cool. We get to a point where where Bane has the advantage. It seems like he's about to win. And Zana is just like, okay, this is my last ace in the hole. I'm going to use my Sith sorcery, which is something she should have probably done fresh out the gate, but it's fine. Um, and she uses it, and she uses it as kind of a distraction to prop her, like, real attack. Which is she basically summons pure dark side energy up out of the planet yeah. to attack Bane. And it's really cool. Um, at one point it like hits, um, it's like a black, oaky kind of tentacle that like comes up out of the ground and like hits him on the arm. And it just like totally dissolves like the flesh and the bone and everything on it. It's really cool. Um, And so she's doing this attack, and Bane is just kind of like, this is it. And this is where, for me, the rules get completely, completely just shattered. This is where I was just kind of like, 
I guess not anything we discussed in this book applies anymore. <laughs> because, because what Bane does is the secret that he found in, um, in Eru's holocron, which is what you can do is you can pass your life force into somebody else and basically take over their physical vessel so that you are preserved even as your body dies. And one of the main things he takes away from this, it's wild to me because our boy Drew went out of his way to specify this, is that if you do this, you need to do this to someone who has a very weak will because as the ritual happens, they're going to struggle against you. And if you can't completely dominate them, if their will is too strong, then you will be lost to the void, essentially. The same thing will happen to your soul as what happens to like all of the folks who got caught in um, the thought bomb way back in book one. Like, um, you'll just kind of be like trapped in like a void kind of existing and not existing at the same time. Right. So that's why in Drew Karpashin's words, you have to do it to somebody with a weak will. And the way the book ends is that Darth Bane does this to Zana. And at that point, I kind of threw up my hands and I was just like, well, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I am done with this story because that makes no sense. Because <laughs> this whole time you are led to believe, hey man, Zana, something that Bane admits, Zana is more powerful than me. She has ways to use the dark side that I don't understand and I can't defend against. And she is powerful enough and determined enough to overcome me and take control of the Sith and slay me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this ritual that requires a weak-willed individual <laughs> and do it to her <laughs> because that makes sense. And son of a bitch, <laughs> Drew Carpenter is going to heavily imply that it works. <laughs> and that is like, I mean... Does the word of the author not count for anything anymore, Jacob? <laughs> so, to to clarify, Carpenter has come out and said that Xana did win. Okay, well, he has a hell of a way to I, so indicate that. <laughs> what, what he has said, he wanted to introduce just a hint of subtlety about how much of Bane survived. And he said that he left open the pot because I, I looked this up because I already looked it up because I was like, son of a bitch, is that true? And um, because, it, because it, uh, for, for anyone who has not read it and God bless you, if you have stuck to all three of these episodes <laughs> without actually reading this. Um, but so they have their fight. And then at the end, when Cognis or the Huntress, whatever you want to call her, walks up. She doesn't know, because it's through her point of view, and she doesn't know if Bane won or Zana won, which, honestly, I think is a good way of, of, of doing it, okay? It, it's it, it's one step forward, two steps back for old Drew Carperton, Um because she looks down as Zana is explaining how she is the new Dark Lord of the Sith, and Bane is gone, 
and she looks down and she realizes that Xana keeps flexing her left hand. Which, as we discussed earlier, and to be fair, he did place nuggets of it throughout the book that his le- that Bane's left hand was the first thing that started having these tremors. It's not really explained why. It's kind of, I mean, I'm going to level with you. Things happen to Bane in all three of these books that just aren't explained. Because I, if if there was a point where he had tremors, Al, and then all of a sudden, uh, Quotus and um, um, the other Sith asshole mm-hmm. uh, showed up just to taunt him, like I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, this is never going to be explained ever again. You know, but that's that's fine. Um, <clears throat> but no, so I looked this up. Because apparently there were a lot of fan theories about did Bane. Uh, th- there was even apparently a fan theory that Bane's spirit kept going from Sith to Sith to Sith until he's actually Palpatine in the movies. I mean, I can. I mean, based just off of the ending of the book, I could see where the where the logic, f- yeah, of that came from. Like I can. But he he's he Carberson personally clarified the situation. I'm reading from this on Wikipedia. Personally clarified the situation with a post on his website saying that Xana had won the battle. He said that he wanted to introduce just a hint of subtlety about how much the Bane survived, and they left open the possibility of revisiting the situation at some point, saying that what was supposed to be left ambiguous was whether or not Bane was still alive in some way, or if just a small part of his identity imprinted on her. Which, in a world with Twilight, sounds even creepier now than, <laughs> than it did before. Okay, well, here's the thing. I'm glad you did the homework on that. I really appreciate that. Um, Happy to help. <laughs> here's the thing, though. With with the both of those intentions, it still causes you to just throw out the rules that were established yeah. about the, about this thing because there were only two outcomes that were given about trying the ritual is that either it works and he takes over a body or it does not work and his soul is lost into the force void which is terrifying um i'm going to call it that from now on and those are the only two outcomes and there's a point where like there's a difference in a story there's a difference between revealing something new that always had the potential to be there right Mm. and just breaking the rules that you made as an author right and i feel like this kind of leans more towards the latter there like i don't feel like trying to say, ooh, I wonder how much of Bane really survived the ritual. I don't feel like that's really revealing anything that was in the back of anyone's mind. I feel like that's just saying, hey, you know that thing I said before? Well, that's not actually true. I lied. That kind of is where I'm <laughs> is where I'm coming from with that kind of explanation. And I don't think that's really unfair. I don't know. No, I I don't think uh, one and I I didn't I didn't reference this when I was talking to you just a second ago uh, because you're absolutely correct. Once again, Bane is written poorly. For all the people in this book, the one person he should not be looking towards at the end of his life to inhabit their body 
is Zana or Zana or however you're supposed to say her name. Literally the one person like said Hearth, Lucia, Sarah, uh, uh, even the Huntress. Although the Huntress is very is very capable sometimes. Um, Zana is the only person who he has made the statement has an iron will in multiple occasions. Which is also, I mean, the the only time that he could ever think that her will is not strong enough is at the opening of this book where he's wondering basically just like, which, I, I gotta be honest, I read as like an old grandpa basically just being like, why hasn't my apprentice challenged me yet? That, that's basically, <laughs> that's basically what the opening, what the first time he's, uh, we see the first main chapter, that's basically what it reads like. Um... Or, or at least the second time we see Bane, I can't remember when when he starts talking about that. But, but yeah, that's the that's the only time he ever has a doubt about her will. He never once has that any time in the Rule of Two, which ultimately leads to my and 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 I do, I don't mean to railroad and I don't mean to lead to to lead you to a to the to the finale, but like at the end of this trilogy, my biggest issue with them. Is that they were? Is that in the first two books they're laying the rain they're laying the railroad tracks as the train is moving, but then in the third one they literally had two and a half years of preparation. You could have done anything with this story when you told me that the rule of two because I, I didn't do a whole lot of research on the rule of two. I like I mean I. I mainly was just was just going off of what was in the book. I should have looked more about the behind the scenes. I, I I admit that. But when you told me that the book only took, or that was only written in six months, I was actually more impressed. I was because it's of the three, it is my favorite. But with this one, and this one annoys me the most because they literally waited two and a half years before publishing this one. So once again, you could have done anything with this story. But we don't get anything, and that's why that's why it's so annoying. And 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 it feels like this book feels so separate from the first two. Like, and and that's ultimately the, I think why I didn't like this book as much, because at least because in at the end of the second one, my entire thought process is that we are setting up for a confrontation between the two of them. That is going to blow us out of the water. And to your to to Carberson's credit, and like you said, I really do like the final fight, um, because Xana all of a sudden just being like dark side energy from a from a Sith sorceress from a thousand years ago is going to come up and attack you. I was like, where was this the rest of the book? <laughs> that is this is this is what I've been waiting for. But you know, it just. The entire time, because because uh, like you said, at the end, he chooses Zeta to try and inhabit her body. And I'm like, look, man, if you had, I know he's on a ship somewhere now, but why don't you go and get Seth Hart's body real quick? <laughs> like, like just, just go and hunt him down. Like, I know, I know the Huntress is not going to be any help in finding him, but I feel like you can do it, man. <laughs> For some reason, he has a blocker on her. I don't know why. That's incredible. Oh, but because he's even described as like this, this younger, like really quick, bold warrior. 
basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that he even throws off Xana whenever she first, uh, whenever she first fights him. So, once again, in my mind, my entire thought process is that if you are going to pick someone to inhabit their body, inhabit someone who is who is weak-willed, and just go full get out on them, then it would make sense for it to be this guy who, once again, based off of what you said, you're not wrong, who basically last week was in a coma for two days because, <laughs> he, couldn't, because he couldn't counterbalance Xana's sorcery. So I don't, I don't know, man. It's it's it. It was such a weird ending, which I know they had to do. Which I know they had to do the whole like final fight thing, and and they had to do the transference. But I would have, I would have actually preferred do the transference to to set hearth, and then all of a sudden you have this young brash Bane thinking he's 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 going to win. And then he tries to do the transference again on Xana, and Xana's just like, nope. Because at that at that point, which by the way, you mentioned earlier, you're like, I guess these characters were intended to show up later. None of them show up in anything else. I looked it up. <laughs> Set Hearth doesn't show up in anything else. The Huntress doesn't show up in anything else. Um That is crazy. The yeah, Xana shows up in nothing else. All of them. Because because you're not wrong. The ending of this book leaves it open to where you could if you wanted to, for some reason, follow the characters that are still living as they go forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, and here's the thing: like, it sold. Like, people bought this book and enjoyed it. I don't oh, yeah. know why, but but it sold well. So the thing is, is that if they had done like every two years another Sith deep dive leading up to the prequels, I really don't think people would have been upset. No, no. Now I know that this this book came out in t- 2009 so that would be mm-hmm. roughly that th- that's 3 years before the before the Disney buyout. I'm not really sure when they started when they did the the hey the the old canon is no more because I I know Plagueis is right on the cusp of it. Right, yeah. Uh, because Pla- and Plagueis is, is 2012. So I'm not I'm not 100% certain um but no, I just I, I they could have done more with these characters, but mm. yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's all it's all so interesting because to kind of go ahead and bridge us into the end of the episode mm. uh, before we jump in and cover um, our last two classic um, <laughs> questions as we always do, but um. It's so wild to me because the two main things that stuck out to me as I was reading this book, um, it's kind of a summary of my thoughts real quick, is that um, one, this this book should have been um, like just a 100-page standoff with Bane and Zana. Yeah. That's like all it should have been. Give us just a long long fight between these two characters because that's what rule of two was building up to and that's all that's all i really wanted to get out of it is just you know okay these two these two characters are the best of the best let's see what they can do they're each skilled in their own stuff 
they know each other very well. You can have a really cool, really engaging final standoff between the two of them that both has really good action and highlights really cool character things about them. And that's all this book really needed to be, which is why going back to it, I, I had said like this trilogy could have been, it probably should have been just like a 450 or so page book, like just cover an abridged version of how Darth Bane got his start focus primarily on what happens in the rule of two and then just condense dynasty of evil to just like a 100 page like epic fight um and it would flow way better you wouldn't have all this nonsense just distracting you from the only thing you care about like <laughs> like come on man i didn't pick up <laughs> dynasty of evil the last book in a trilogy about how the sith grow more powerful by by building each other up and then tearing each other down. I didn't buy this book to read 120 pages from the perspective of of set hearth. Like, like I bought it to see two Sith Lords just like throw down. And that's all this book really needed to be. Um and then the second part of this is that and I've talked about it some on on the other episodes for the other two books, but there is so much fluff in these books that are just like random B and C plots where I just don't know what our boy Drew is trying to accomplish with them. Um, I'll like read something and it'll say that like, you know, um, uh, like the <laughs> just honestly really the entirety of set hearth's arc is just kind of like he's a dark jedi who left the jedi order he teams up with zana you think he's going to really affect events and then he does not and then he steals the sith holocron then he flies away and i feel <laughs> i feel like the old haters character in hot rod where he's just kind of like what the hell was all that about <laughs> Because I'm reading this book and said Hearth just gets off scot-free, has a Sith holocron with him, and is flying away from all the all the chaos and all the combat. And I'm just kind of like, why was he a part of this? <laughs> what was that even about? You have this this whole arc with Lucia, where she's just some random background character from the first book who you don't even think about again. And then it's just kind of like, ah, well, see, actually, she became a mercenary, and then she had a close call with Sarah, and Sarah helped her, so she became a personal bodyguard for Sarah, and, like, now she has these weird, conflicted feelings about who Des used to be and what he is now and how she can betray. I was just like, what is the point of this subplot? I bought a book to watch two Sith Lords kill each other. <laughs> that is all I wanted to do with my Sunday. <laughs> that was all I wanted. And then I get to the end of her story, and Lucy is just like randomly killed off in a crossfire. And I'm just like, what was the point of having this character in this book? And I don't understand. And I want to believe that that Drew really had a vision 
for this story. I want to believe that everything was finely tuned and everything played out the way he always dreamed it would. Because, like, I know how big of a deal it is to, like, write a trilogy that you're passionate about. That's crazy. That's an amazing opportunity. And, like, I'm not trying to take the stance of just, like, oh, he didn't really care or, like, he didn't put a lot of thought into it because I know how it feels to have a passion and have agency within it and how amazing of a feeling that is. It's just that I don't understand is my main takeaway from so much of this trilogy. (laughs) After reading through it and just trying to vibe with all the twists and turns, and I'm just like, I don't understand. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's, it ends, it ends with so many question marks that you can't see the exclamation point at the end, (laughs) if that makes sense. You're just left more confused than anything. And it's just not a great feeling to have when you reach the end of a chapter of a trilogy that you're supposed to, like, have, like, peace and closure about. But as we know, peace is a lie, so I don't know. Peace is a lie, yeah. But, yeah, no, uh, Jacob, any last thoughts before we get into um, our questions there at the end? I mean, just before we do the last two two main questions, I I legitimately want to know if if someone is listening to this and you liked these this trilogy, I legitimately want to know why. And I and I, and I don't mean that in the sense of <clears throat> whenever I say that, please. Please do not assume that I'm trying to just be an ass and I'm I'm just like, why do you like that? It's so bad. No, it's legitimately I'm trying to understand from someone else's perspective why they would enjoy this. Mm-hmm. So because for me, and, and this will lead into my hypest to my hypest moment. I'm not I'm not gonna answer it just yet, but, but it will lead into it. What I wanted from this, what I expected I was going to get in this. Because it's it's the one scene that unites that that has united old canon lovers. It has united new canon lovers. The one scene is the Darth Vader hallway scene in Rogue One. It has been parodied. It has been it has it has had memes and gifs and everything else about it, and everyone loves it. And if you mention anything about the new movies, everyone goes, Rogue One was okay. That Darth Vader scene was awesome. Okay. Yeah. Everyone does that. The main exception being our very good friend Josh, but anyway. Yes, Josh <laughs> is the only one who is the exception on that one. Okay. But when people say that, my assumption. What I always take from that is they are viewing this the same way they watch a like an 80s slasher movie. Okay. Obviously, which once again, going back to the horror, I, I, I guess I'm ready for horror fest, man. I keep going back to the horror movies. Dude, but, same. <laughs> but, you know, you don't watch Friday the 13th, you know, wanting wanting the, the camp counselor, most of the early camp counselors and Kevin Bacon particularly to get away from Mrs. Voorhees. You don't watch, you know, you don't watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre wanting, especially those two people that were assholes in the front seat, get, wanting them to get away. 
you want the, the the aspect of why you watch these is you're like, oh, they're gonna get them, okay? So, which God, I hope no one watches movies like that. But it, <laughs> they're but, gonna get them. They're gonna get them. But that's that's always what I've taken from whenever people say they love the hallway scene with Darth Vader. Same way with how they view Darth, how they liked Darth Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi, because we finally saw the ultimate badass Sith that we knew from the original trilogy be able to do the stuff that we wanted to see with modern technology. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I have I have no issues with that. Let everyone have their, their dark side fantasy enjoyment, whatever. Okay? That's fine. The problem being is that's what I was expecting from this trilogy. I had assumed that for when everyone talks about how, how they should have done the Darth Bane trilogy as a movie or, or a Disney Plus series or, or, or whatever, when they talk about that and when they say they want Darth Bane to be more canon, my entire thought process before reading a single page of these books was that there were going to be multiple moments in this where Bane was just an unstoppable force to be reckoned with. And the problem is, is that in this book, and I don't even, you have so much, like you said, you have so much fluff and so much useless side characters and side plots. And you have so many moments where it's, where for some reason, they don't want to do the, well, he's Batman, he always wins aspect with Bane. And I don't get that. The book, the, the, it's called the Darth Bane trilogy for a reason. This is the one moment where you could write a character who is unstoppable and no one's going to bat an eye. The one time that he shouldn't feel unstoppable should be Xana. And the one time that you could ever, I mean, I should have gone into that fight being like, is he going to actually do it? Instead of, instead of, well, honestly, simultaneously being the, dear God, get this over with, but also thinking in the, in the thought process, there's no way Bane wins here. Because there's never a point in this book, in the third one particularly, where I thought Bane was going to come out on top. And I understand that from the basis of what they had set up and knowing that this takes place thousands of years in the past, we're supposed to assume, well, he's not going to. But there was nothing to say that he couldn't have taken on a new apprentice. There was nothing to say that he couldn't have won at the end and then Darth Cognus is this new apprentice. Sure. Or whatever you want to go with that route. But at the same time, as the fight is happening, there's also no way that I saw that happening. And that, to me, is why this trilogy fails. Because I did not feel like Bane was as much of a force to be reckoned with. Mm. So, amidst everyone else who loves these books, presumably because he is this most badass Sith, and 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 he and he is all powerful and everything. The reason I didn't like these books is because I didn't get that at all. So when I say I want to know why you like these books, I am legitimately curious. So those are my final thoughts on on the book, like as, as a whole. Um, yeah, we'll get into other parts here in just a second with the last two questions. So please proceed, my friend. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, yeah, let's just crack those open. So uh, for anybody who listens to us, you know that we end every episode with two very special, very important questions. What was your hypest moment from the story that we read? 
Uh, so Jacob and I will go back um, and forth and talk about uh, just the scene that we thought was just super cool. It got us on the most excited because there's just a lot of hype stuff in Star Wars. Um, and then we close with the discussion of if the story at hand is something that we accept into our grand canon of the Star Wars lore and timeline. Um, I mean, that's always fun because we kind of get to design our own um, kind of combination of old canon and new canon stuff. Um, so um, I'll go ahead um, and start us off. Um, so my hypest thing that happened in this story for me was um, when Zana and Bane actually do eventually find each other in the prison, uh, which takes way too long. But when they do actually find each other, um, I thought that that confrontation between them was really cool and, and, and really well constructed. Just because, for anyone who doesn't recall, um, so Bane does not have his lightsaber at that point. And um, kind of the main advantage that Bane has always really had on Zana is that he's way better with um, a lightsaber. He has like a really aggressive style. He's learned how to blend several styles of combat together to be really unpredictable. And whereas Amzana obviously is very strong in her own style, um, that's kind of the clear advantage that Bane's always had. So to see them square off where Bane does not have his primary um, tool of defense and seeing him just kind of have to like evade Zana's like lightsaber in kind of like a kung fu dodge style while I trying to throw as much of like um, the horse tightening at her as possible and it just kind of evolves into like almost a dance that they do with each other of Bane constantly avoiding trying to squeeze in on the lightning bolts whenever he can in Zana trying to press her advantage uh, I thought that was really cool which also reinforces my original idea of just like the whole book should have just been that. It should have just been a long, arduous struggle between the two of them where each of them had to adapt. Each of them had to show why they were as strong in the force as they had claimed to be. So um, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and that was my, um, um, that was my choice as, as far as hypeness goes. Um, how about for you, Jacob? Uh, solid pick. Um, real quick before be, before I, I do mine, because I just had a thought. Because you 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 mentioned you were like you said a couple times this entire book has been one long one long battle between the two of them. I do like that, but and and, and the movie the the movie the book could have started off that way with a really long fight and then the rest of it is literally them completely negating the rule of two <laughs> hear me out and then building up their armies like against each other and then just destroying a planet at the end like redoing uh, because because at that point then you also have this mentality of where bane has com has completely lost the lost every the lost the entire plot of the rule of two himself and then at the end of it, you could even have this whole thing. If your end goal is Xana becoming the new Dark Lord of the Sith, you know this whole thing where it's where he's where he even makes that statement of like, look at what we have done. 
all because of you and because you refused to accept that I that I could be your successor. Like you had this whole, I can't get out of the writing mode because I'm like, this could have been better. <laughs> but, but, but no, no, no. Moving forward. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Hypest moment. Once again, Darth Vader hallway scene is what I wanted. And, and I got it for four pages. <laughs> four pages in the entire trilogy. Because when he goes to get Ondedu's holocron, literally no one can stop him for some reason. Mm. All of these people, and, and he does he does make reference to like all of these people were worshippers of Ondedu. They were they they they're primitive. They haven't done any because they're. It's all in the center rim or in the in the in the, or the, or the, the core world. So like right. they have, they, they all look like ancient ruins and and stuff like that. And so, and so I really like that concept. I really like when we go to planets like I like going to planet like that. Going to Tython and the and the end of the second one. All that was really cool to me. Um, but when Bane goes here, all these guys are coming out and try to fight him. And he's just unstoppable. Like he's he's force choking. He's throwing the lightsaber, just cutting people down left and right. Um, there's even a point where like, and like I read it almost as a comedy because like one person opens the door and then just immediately shuts it again after he sees someone just getting destroyed outside. And he's just like, you know what? It's not worth it. And, and <laughs> nope. respect, I get that. Um, but yeah, so that was my hypest moment of just him just. Him getting the holocron and then and just no one being able to stop him just because that once again that's what I wanted from this that's what I expected from this book that's what I assumed I was going to get and I didn't get hardly any of that except for that moment. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's also a good choice. Yeah. Um, things like that. Like if everybody wants Bane to be more. Um active in like the new canon stuff i would want things like that like i would take like uh we've talked about it before it'd be kind of cool if like as a companion series to tales of the jedi if they did tales of the sith and like um and darth bane just had like a three episode run where like um he has an episode that details like um um destroying the sith empire he has one that's just a really just kind of a montage of him going to like the various temples um, to raid the holocrons. And then he has an episode uh, that I would want, which is just like um, a long ass like fight between him and Zana. I think that'd be really cool. It'd be a really cool and easy way to kind of slip him into the main canon in a big way. But, yeah. Um, but anyway, hey, everybody. And Disney and LucasArts. If you need idea guys for for <laughs> for new Star Wars content, just hit us up. Um, but um, all right, we've come to the end. We come to the last question, arguably the most important question: um, is is Dynasty of Evil? Does it make the cut for our respective grand canons of Star Wars lore? Um, I will go first. And I want to bring to light a point that I had brought up way back in April of this year when we covered um, the Darth Vegas book, where I said, I have a theory about Palpatine 
that I want to wait to bring up until we covered the Darth Bane books. And so that time has come and it goes directly into if this last book enters my grand canon or not. Um, so I had always had a theory that the reason why Palpatine is the Sith Lord who ultimately wins, right? It's a short-lived victory in the grand scheme of things, but he ultimately wins. Is that he was the one who kind of flouted the rule of two. He was the one who was just kind of like, okay, I've seen what everyone else before me has done. I'm going to do things differently. That's why he swaps apprentices all the time. That's why he has um, various, like, if acolytes and and assassins and like the malls and um, the Assange Ventresses and people like that kind of in his back pocket all the time. Um, and that's why he wins is because he sees the flaws of the rule of two rather than um, embracing at the laws of the rule of two. And that's why we see him even in the original trilogy kind of always open to a new possibility, right? He takes an interest in Luke because he can feel how strong Luke is. And he's just kind of like, well, you know, I can take you on as my apprentice and we can rule the galaxy instead. Um, and that's the secret to Palpatine's success is because he actually eschews the rule of two rather than embrace it as all the Sith who came before him did. Um, and there's a lot of thoughts and contention about that idea. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I'm the first one who's ever thought of that or anything, because there's zero chance that I am. Um, but, I mean, you know, there's contention there. There's the argument that we've already espoused here, just like, you know, how many of those apprentices that I talked about were really Sith and how many of them were just fallen Jedi. Um, that's a stupid conversation, but we can have it. Um, but I think it strikes at something here that is at the core of this trilogy of books, right? Because Bane is known for establishing the rule of two. That's his whole deal. And what this book does is it shows that when it comes down to it at the end of the day, maybe Darth Bane isn't actually into the rule of two. Maybe the rule of two for Bane was less a principle or an ideology and more of an excuse to build the world he wanted to see. Um, because we see as soon as he starts to get infirm, as soon as he starts to catch himself slipping a bit, he suddenly starts to really play very loosely with the rule of two. He starts to kind of adopt this persona that's less so I am the paragon of the dark side, I am the Lord of the Sith, and more so a more desperate kind of just old man who's like scrambling to try to extend the time he has. Um, and in a lot of ways, there's an argument there that that adds a lot of layers and depth to who Darth Bane is. 
But personally, for me, I'm always a lot more a fan of the type of villain who buys into his own ideology. Um, I think that's a lot more rare, and I think that hits a lot harder. Um, There's this very classical idea that um, a good villain in a story is one that's convinced that he's the hero, right? Uh, he's convinced that uh, that what he's doing is right. And you see that really strongly in Path of Destruction. You s- see that still there in Rule of Two. And then in Dynasty of Evil, you see that really start to come undone. And so the reason why I brought up my theory about comparing Bane to Palpatine and their approach to the Rule of Two is that what Dynasty of Evil has kind of done, in my opinion, is it really kind of harnishes the kind of character that Bane could be. Because you have this opportunity to take Bane, realizing that he's not as quick as he used to be, he's not as strong as he used to be, his time is coming, and having him just being like, okay, Zana, it's time now. Like, if you eat me at any point after this, it won't carry the same weight. It's you and me, and this now, and see who deserves to be in charge of the Sith. That is a character that I can get behind, because that is an ideological villain who believes his own ideology. And what we're left with instead is this guy who uses the rule of two as an excuse and uses it as a crutch and changes the rules about it all the time to really become just kind of a sad character. Um, Which, by the way, is very propped up by the fact, don't think that I've forgotten it, that it was technically Darth Revan who thought of the rule of two first. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to point that out for everybody. But, um, so yeah, it kind of takes my theory. It kind of adds a sad kind of twist on it, because it's not so much that Palpatine won out because he saw the flaws in Bane's ideology. It's way more that at that towards the end, Bane and Palpatine were pretty much the same, and Palpatine was just header at it, which I guess is the point of the rule of two in a roundabout way. But I don't know. All that to say, when you have a character who's supposed to be significant, who's supposed to be the end-all, be-all of bad guys in your fandom with someone like like Dark Bane, and you read the last of his books and you come away with just a kind of sad, kind of pitiful depiction of who he is, then... I don't really think that adds anything to the character or to the lore as a whole. So that's the main reason why Dynasty of Evil does not fit into my grand canon. So I'll turn it over to you, Jacob. Yeah, I um No, you're you I, first and foremost, I think you have a great theory on on Palpatine. Um and if you had told me back in April when we by all technical reference started this journey, um what did we do in May? Oh, or the bounty hunters. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that was a fun one too. Yeah. Um, 
when we really started this journey, because really Plagueis is the epilogue to this to this trilogy in a lot of ways. Um, if you had told me Plagueis was going to be my favorite of the books, I would have been surprised because I was because I knew how big Palpatine was into that book, and I was like, I did, I don't like Palpatine that much um, as a character, but. You know, you you are correct because I do like that aspect of Palpatine didn't care about the rule of two. He just cared about winning. He just cared about being victorious at the end of it. And honestly, that's the whole point of what of what it should be. Um, the rule of two concept is is at its core flawed. Josh is not Josh is not wrong. Yes, I I, I said it. I hope whenever he listens to this, he he notices that. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, no, I I, I like your theory. I, th- I think your I think your theory is correct too, because um, I think that I, I genuinely think that's what Lucino is trying to is trying to convey, in in that even even with the random moment where he's just like, yeah, I have this Zabrak kid just kind of <laughs> hanging out, you know. I'm just gonna I don't know. I, just, I might use him a couple times, you know. I, I don't really know what else is going on. Um, but but even with that, with that happening. The biggest problem with this trilogy, the biggest problem with what with what it really does is that none of it ultimately mattered. You know, because like you said, Bane's biggest claim to fame wasn't even his. It's Revan's, which which is weird in itself. Um, but at the same time. Like he doesn't really do anything. Like when it comes right down to it, like a lot of people credit him with the rule of two, but it was ultimately Revan's idea. And at that point, after that, what did he do? He did really nothing until Zana took over. And I don't know. I I, I think you're right. I think I think there there is. I almost feel about this movie the same way, I, or this book the, and this trilogy as as a whole, because now now that we finished it all, it's it's more it's it's not so much could you read Dice of Evil, it's it's is the entire Darth Bane trilogy part of your grand canon. I feel about this trilogy the same way I feel about X Men Apocalypse. Stay with me, because there is a twenty minute segment of X Men Apocalypse where. If you have forgotten that there's a random blue guy running around doing stuff, there is a really good Magneto subplot. Ooh. That if you had turned this into an ult, like the ultimate Magneto versus the X-Men, when he is just completely untethered, you know, just just completely enraged and going all throughout the world, just destroying things, just because he is he is done. That movie would be so much better. It's the same thing with this. There are hints of a good trilogy and a good story somewhere in here. We have had those hype moments. We have had those moments that we have enjoyed. There are moments in Dynasty of Evil I liked. But the problem is is that good moments don't make a good trilogy of books. And the simple fact of the matter is, is that when it comes right down to it, you and I read a thousand pages of this thing, and I one, it's very forgettable, which is which is unfortunate. 
And two, once again, it doesn't really have a point at the end of this. Every other Star even not even just looking at books in general, every other Star Wars book I have read has a theme and a point that it's trying to convey by the end of it to add to the mythos of Star Wars. And this one is basically this Sith Lord who ultimately did not do half the stuff he had claimed to do. Which is why, like you said, a much more interesting book would have been if at the end of this we start to realize that Bane ultimately wants to wants to have a solid legacy, but he has nothing. That is a more interesting story, and that's what I would care about. But the fact of the matter is that that's not where they go. So ultimately, no, I just, I, once again, if you loved this trilogy, if you love these books, I legitimately want to know why. Because at the end of this, I, I cannot, I could not suggest this trilogy for anyone. For, for if, because, because the thing is, is that if you, because every time we ask this question, I think of I think of the type of person I would suggest something to. But if you told me you wanted to, if you told me you wanted epic lightsaber duels, I would suggest to you multiple Clone Wars books first and for uh, instead. If you told me you wanted a, a great deep dive into the dark side, I would one hundred percent send you to the Tales of the Jedi Great Sith War comics, all about Exar Kun who is the better Sith, in my opinion, by the way. Um, and ultimately, if you told me you wanted a better deep dive into a a pure Dark Lord of the Sith, I would have suggested Plagueis instead. Yeah. Which, which, for the record, has its own problems. Like, we talked about this. Yeah. It does have its own problems. Oh, yeah. but, but, but I'm fairly certain I said Plagueis was in my Grand Canon, didn't I? I believe so, yeah. I, be- I believe so, because I believe and, so. And if, if for the record, if I said it wasn't, I would say it is actually I, w- I would like to to correct that if if I did. I'm going to listen back now just to double check. But I would suggest Plagueis way more than I would suggest this, because there's not a person. Because I cannot think of anyone that I would I would I could suggest this for a certain reason. So unless you just had heard so much about Darth Bane. From that one, from that one guy who was just like, Jana was better. Okay, we all know, we all know one. We all know at least one. <laughs> and if you had just heard so much about Darth Bane, and you were just like, what was this guy's deal? Then I would, then I would say, read until you feel like you need to stop. <laughs> that that's the only that's the only recommendation I would give to anybody. I would I would say read the last. <laughs> 20 pages of Path of Destruction and the first 200 pages of, of Rule of Two. <laughs> <laughs> fair. Yeah, fair. But yeah, but that's that's my answer ultimately is no, it's not my Grand Canon because I can't, I cannot tell you who I would suggest this thing to. That's very fair. That's very fair. I do want to, before we close out, I do just want to appreciate an epiphany I had while reading this book mm. because I was reading it through. And I was just kind of like, man, Darth Bane really enjoys these holocrons. Um, he really enjoys this idea that, like, you know, sure, he's, like, big and strong and tall. And he's what he, he's what every, 
is what every sweet Star Wars fan would want. But, uh, um, you know, his real power, his real power over everybody comes from the books he's read and then all of that he has. And then I stopped and I was just like, hmm, Bane is a elf insert from an author who was a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've come to the real truth of the of the Darth Bane trilogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have. <laughs> it's like, no, he's strong because he reads books. Uh, anyway. Anyway, that's what makes me strong. Um, anyway, everybody, that puts a bow on it, man. That puts a bow on the Darth Bane trilogy. That puts a bow on Sith Lord Summer 2023. How do you feel, Jacob? I'm tired. And I, and I want to read something else, which I told you before this. I had already started reading another book just because I needed something else. That's true. Beyond, beyond this. And That's and right. so far, by the way, if anyone hasn't, so far, uh, Homeland, which is the first of the Legend of Drizzt books by R.A. Salvatore, is pretty good. So Ooh. far. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, I just got done reading um, Final Girls, The Port Group by A.D. Hendrix um, in, like, early preparation for season sure um i um, mean yeah it was really good i was, was, I was about to ask, was it as good as it looked because I, I i heard good things and it looked really good it's great if you um everybody out there if you are a fan of horror films and like the slasher flicks of like the 80s and 90s and um and if you don't shy away from some of the more sensitive and challenging questions that those films kind of ask over time um then like you will really enjoy this book it's really it's really well done um it's very fast paced it's um a very easy read it's got a bunch of like small little tidbits about horror films and stuff it's great it's great every book i read of hendrix's i like him more so uh so yeah um now, all that to say, everybody, even though that is the end of Sith Lord Summer, everybody go all sad. Um, <laughs> we are not done for this year. We got a whole bunch of other episodes procked and ready for you. Uh, we are finishing out the year reading a whole bunch of books all in a row. But we're going to switch gears a little bit in September. Uh, Jacob, would you like to share with the audience what we are going to be um occupying the september slot with for star wars i would love to yes so in september we are playing a game that i am most likely going to set to easy difficulty because i've never beaten this game because it's so <laughs> difficult. and i'm gonna completely be honest with you because al have you tried playing this game um uh no i haven't um you haven't okay i just because I have it downloaded and ready, but no, I haven't. You have it downloaded and ready. Okay. Uh, guys, we are covering Star Wars Republic Commando. So this game came out in 2004, and its big claim to fame at the time was it was going to be the first official, it was going to be the first showing of like the official design of what Kashyyyk was going to be in Revenge of the Sith. We had seen Kashyyyk and other various, um, various forms, such as uh, Heir to the Empire. Um, and different other and different books that's referenced in, but this was the first time we were going to see the way it was going to look 
on film. So, and, and stuff like um, other battle droids and things like that that would show up in Revenge of the Sith. However, it was it is a squad-based shooter where you are you are the head of a of of a commando unit of clones and you are controlling these other guys that are that are with you and it is when it first got ported to the PS4 or yeah PS4 at the time um I tried playing it it is one of the more difficult shooters I've ever played um just on normal difficulty uh we have a good friend Nathan who apparently set it to the hardest mode and it took him a while to beat it. He said he did a lot of high, uh, crouching behind uh, cover and letting the squad do the work for him. And I told him today that I might just have to set an easy difficulty just to get through the actual game in time for the podcast. Um, and I have no shame about that. I am I am okay no, understanding my abilities. Um, I will. I'm going to give it my the good college try on normal. And uh, see what I can do. But after that, it's it's gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna be like a modern day video game reviewer and just be like I gotta get this done for a deadline. <laughs> well, there you go, everybody. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna be playing Republic Commando. Um, if you if you all want to play through it with us, uh, there is a port of it available um, on PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five. Um, it might be available on Xbox. Series X, I'm not sure. Xbox is the only one I have confirm. I do not have confirmation of it being on because I know it's on Switch. Okay, I got you. Oh, well, well there you go. It's on Switch. Yeah. Um, it it is on computer. As a heads up, I originally had it on computer, and I want to go ahead and let people know about it. Um, you can play it on the computer. Um, for some reason, where the game was ported to PC, the driver for the sensitivity on the house and keyboard is like on overdrive for some reason, like <laughs> unusable. Like you can't even navigate the home screen to start the game <laughs> when using a mouse. Um, and it does not come equipped with controller capability. There are mods and drivers that you can install to use a controller on the computer, if you don't want to go through all that, then your best bet is probably to play it on PlayStation. Um, just as a heads up to everybody. Um, but um, yeah, um, if you want to, feel free to play that along with us. We'll be recording that episode um, in September. Um, and then we got a whole bunch of other stuff coming up. Um, October spooky season is coming. Um, so Josh and I will be on Horror Fest as always. Uh, we got some shows coming up. Um, about um, some comic books as well. So uh, we got a whole lot of content coming. We really appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Um, thank you, Jacob, as always, for being my constant companion on the Star Wars EU or E review. Uh, and everybody out there, just a quick reminder that fandom is for everyone, even people who really like Darth Bane. So if yeah. that is you, um, then hey, man, I think that's awesome. And I'm glad you have a, something that you enjoy, and I would love to hear more about it. Um, but for now, everyone, have a great night. Be kind to each other, and we will see you guys on the next episode.